It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good morning, and thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tan Bettis with you this morning. We are taking your calls at 801-575-8255, and you can text us your questions at 57500. When we had to take a break for the bottom of the hour news, we were talking to Sean in Centerville about his scotch pine. Okay, Tan, you were asking him a question, and where were we? We were at the point, I'm trying to figure out if the roots have gotten into something that could be causing the tree to decline on that side. So I was wondering if the roots were growing into an area under a property line or anywhere that there's been an herbicide applied, such as a ground sterilant. I, I have not, there's nothing that comes to mind that would do that. I just, it's in the middle, kind of the middle of the yard and, Nothing that would do that. Nothing's nothing's really changed over the twenty years, twenty plus years. It's been in there, and so that doesn't ring a bell or anything like that. Okay, that's good. You would some if you had other trees and shrubs in the area, the same side of those tree, tr- trees and shrubs facing, you know, say the north or whatever would also be dying. But it's something that has yeah. to be mentioned so another question when you planted the tree was it in a burlap sack and a wire basket it was and i removed all that okay so so there's no you remove the wire basket and the burlap yep Yep. and the twine from the trunk yep okay the so i'm i'm going through possibilities here and we're getting kind of not as good (laughs) so the next question is is i mean there's really not a way to tell but sometimes those trees can get a root that will girdle another root or a portion of the trunk and you would have to dig down carefully at the base of the tree on the side that it's struggling probably down to about 18 inches not harming the roots near the trunk to see if there's a girdling root there and if there's not the next likely possibility would be fungal disease in the roots causing that portion of the tree to decline to where the other side isn't. Okay. Okay. So look for the girdling root. And then uh, what about, is there anything that you can get a fungus? I remember possibly seeing like a, some like a white, uh, substance on a branch or branches well um, up in the trunk are you seeing like pitch areas there's just a lot of pine pitch uh, no i don't that i've looked like is there a boar i haven't seen like okay like on a peach tree or a boar you see where it's using pitch well and the, the pitch would be up you know six eight feet ten feet 12 feet off the ground uh, oh, up, and it would just look like look a mass high. of pine pitch. And there, the, okay. another possibility could be pine pitch moths, which 
the only thing you can really do is to try to keep the tree healthy. But that is something else to look for is those pitch masses up on the trunk on that side of the tree because sometimes you can get a number of those that will start to cause the tree to decline. So that's one more thing to check. But if you don't see pitch masses in there and, say, sawdust on branches or anything, then the likely cause would be a fungal disease in the roots. Okay. Anything to do on the once you have the fungal disease in the roots, or is that once they're inside the tree? There's really not much. There's nothing you can do to get them out. Um, okay. Um, then the next question is: If I do have that in the roots, um, I can't put another pine back in that spot, or you possibly could. The uh... The specific tree you have there, that scotch pine, will, uh, you know, even though it's declining, it doesn't mean the next tree would get the same disease. You know, I might switch over to an Austrian or a Bosnian pine or something, but, you know, you probably could put another pine tree in the area. Okay. Well, I, I, the way it is, I, I really think it's probably a fungal disease because, it's it's gone up the tree and the tree is just looking you know like it's not going to recover and so uh i was thinking both ways whether i try to save it or what can i do to replace it when i need to replace it so yeah you answered my question yeah i apologize i don't have better news all right sean that's all right. I appreciate it. It gives me something to do. All right. Good luck on that. Thanks, Sean, for your call Thank this you. morning. Bye. Bye. Next listener, Tan, says um, the, that the columnar ornamental pear trees in their neighborhood are still full of green leaves. They want to know why, and is there anything that they should do? They're a little worried about snow load damage. They are still green because the flowering pear require a long, cool fall to really go dormant. And so because we went from the 60s and 70s into the 30s and 40s almost overnight, the pears didn't have time to transition. And so for lack of a better term, they're confused Mm -hmm. because they didn't have time to go dormant for the season. At this point, all they can do is be patient and see what happens and hopefully they will drop. And there is a danger because the pears have brittle branches that they will um, have some branches snap out of the trees. But the good news is, is that what I've seen this happen in the past is that they generally recover in the spring just fine. Okay. Uh, Next listener would like to know, can they plant a hibiscus in a five-gallon container? They can. I wish I knew what kind. Because if they were wanting the tropical hibiscus, which you would call Hawaiian, or it's not really Hawaiian, but people call it that, or Chinese hibiscus, that you can, they don't really do well as a house plant. You almost need to use a systemic on them because they are really prone to mealybugs and whiteflies and aphids and things. But, and you need a really bright room for them. So a south window or almost like a solarium or a greenhouse. Hmm. Now, if they're wanting to do, say, the hardy hibiscus, the perennial hardy hibiscus, which we grow here, 
They could. I would put it in a shed or unheated garage over the winter and bring it back out. It'll survive in the pot for two or three years before it will need to be transplanted. Okay, so keep it in the pot until spring. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break. Number to call with your questions, and the phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, and the phone lines are open. A good time to call 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. A bit nippy out there this morning, Ton. It is. I left my house and it was 17 degrees. Oh my goodness. Yeah, by the time I got to Orem, it was around 23, but it it is cold. Yeah. Not a lot you can do outside, and I'm mentioning that because uh, in the 9 o'clock hour, our top, top of the hour feature is talking about, you know, starting to plan those things that you can do next spring. Yes, it, it's one of those things that you really do need to start looking at through the winter and have a plan in place for many reasons, you know, and we can hit more of this later, but yeah, it's very important to have a plan in place. And because with shortages of say vegetable seeds or mini trees, you know, if you just show up in late May or June, you know, it may be that some of those things that you want will be gone. And, you know, for your own protection around your house, it will help you, to avoid things like planting trees that are going to grow too big near your home Mm -hmm. that you might have to eventually remove. Right. We're going to talk about that much more coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Next listener, Tan, says, both of their arborvitae turned brown on the south side. Is this possibly from the hot summer? And they're wondering, will they come back? If they are up against a building and the side facing the building browned out, that's really common. And it's a lack of light and maybe some heat. You know, if it if they're out in the open and those sites declined, we there's some arborvita, what I'll call conditions. There's a, a potential disease we haven't been able to identify. That every once in a while, you'll see our arborvita decline, but it's usually a branch here and a branch there before they collapse. And so, I suspect it's just they're probably up against a wall. It's one of those questions, not just with arborvita, but with other plants too. People talking about scorching and how you know, the climate change is impacting all of their plants. How do people know? I mean, are there some things people can do? Obviously, you can't change the climate, but are there things that they can do when they're thinking about planting things um, to avoid scorching and stuff like that? There are a few things, you know, just no matter what needled or scaled evergreen, so arborvitae, juniper, 
Alberta spruce you put against a building, there's a, a good chance that the side of the tree facing the building is going to brown out. Mm. But, you know, as we go along, I'm noticing that our climate is just getting weird. You know, we're not transitioning from summer to fall anymore with a nice, you know, three to four week period of just gradually declining temperatures. It's hot, 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 cold. Or it's hot and then very cold and then hot again. And then even in the spring, we're seeing later frosts than usual. And so in where we can, we're going to have to veer toward growing plants that are just more adapted to such conditions. And so, you know, we talk about, you know, in trees, you know, the elms, you know, some of the elms are better adapted. Some of the oaks are better adapted, but it could be that some of the maples that already struggle here, you know, it's just one more nail in the coffin that will cause them to decline more quickly. And so we're going to have to veer toward plants that can just barely to- better tolerate our growing conditions that we have. Yeah, it feels like over the past few months, like seven out of ten questions have something to do with browning or scorching or heat or or water questions, you know, that impact our yes. plants. And when you see your temperatures go from 107, you know, sustained for four or five days in September, which is unheard of, and then by, you know, we stay then in the 70s, 80s, and even in the 60s through October, and then all of a sudden we drop to 22 and then maybe 18, plants just aren't really adapted to that And it's just with global climate change, and again, we're not pinning blame to anybody, so we're not doing politics, but just with how the climate has changed locally over the last 10 to 15 years, that looks like that these conditions are going to stay. I think this is where the conservation gardens have come in and have been such a big deal because people can actually go out and see things that are doing well right now in our environment so that they can plan better. Yes, Jordan Valley, the Conservation Garden Park there, then Weber Basin, excuse me, Weber Basin Water has a very nice uh, garden also, and then there are various gardens, you know, BYU, the U, USU all have areas that they have planted into water-wise landscaping. You know, there are many places you can go look, even the Utah Botanical Center that USU has up in Kaysville that Sheridan will be in at 10 o'clock is another great resource. And so there there are many locations actively testing plant material for suitability to see how well it will do with our changing conditions. (laughs) I apologize. We're going to talk much more about that following the news. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.